All right, good evening, everyone. Um, so we're gonna sit for a bit and then um, I'll read aloud in a abridged version, abridged version of Pema Chodron's um, essay on the in-between state, um, both to have it fresh in the minds of everyone who's read it before and also for the sake of those who may not have had a chance to read it um, before class tonight. And then I'm just gonna open the floor um, for people who might want to um, say something uh, in response to that piece or uh, sort of, um, yeah, just whatever, whatever um, reading the piece, thinking about your practice um, has, um, Yeah, whatever seems alive to you. I think um, I'll say I'll say maybe I'll say now a few things about how I'd like us to think about that time of sharing our thoughts. Um, I encourage everyone not to like prepare thoughts beforehand, like not to spend time while sitting thinking about what you might wanna to say, to trust that when the time comes, if you have something that you want to say, it will come in the way that it needs to come. Um, and um, it's not, yeah, just, um, so notice if you, if you see yourself mulling over thinking about, that's something to observe maybe rather than to um, identify with and go along with. Um, the other is, I think it would be, it's always best, I think, if we speak from our own personal experience when it comes to practice. Um, and so as much as possible, please speak from the heart, speak from what feels urgent and alive in your own practice rather than something theoretical or intellectual about practice. Um, of course, you know, it could have an intellectual component. I'm not saying that that's not part of what's alive for us, but um, I think, you know, it's more about what's, what's, what does Pema Chodron's words make you think of that's really actually like alive for you now in your own experience of practice? Um, I think it follows from this that it would be best if we refrain from giving each other advice about practice. Um, so of course we, we may feel moved naturally to respond to something that someone has said, especially if it's moved us. Um, but um, I think uh, like if someone has a, a, you know, raises a question or a problem, I think ideally it would be good if we not give the other person advice about how to fix themselves, <laughs> um, but rather just speak from something speak, you know, maybe speak about your own experience. So, um, and, and that, that that person may hear in those words a clue as to how they might approach the thing they're struggling with or working with. Um, but I think that this is just a way to, I think, um, make tonight's um, time of sharing feel most alive. Um, so um, we're gonna do, uh, 
a 25 minute sitting and it'll have two different components, um, heart's breath and then a little bit of um, soft belly following the breath in the belly. Um, and then I'm gonna leave half a good half the time very open so you can decide what you'd like to focus on for most of the sitting. Um, but I'll start with those two different sort of techniques as a kind of way of um, sort of deepening our intimacy with them. And then I'll read the passage and we'll, I'm really eager to hear what people are moved to say. So welcome, please get comfortable and let's get going. So just take a moment to take a couple of deep breaths and just settle into your sitting posture. I breathe in deeply through the nose, filling up the body with air and exhale slowly through your slightly opened mouth. Feel the contact that your body's making with whatever's supporting you, cushion, sofa, chair. Now let the breath come and go through the nose at its own rhythm and pace. And let the awareness settle in the center of the chest, the heart space, the breastbone area, the sternum. As you begin, just feel the sensations in this part of the chest that are associated with the breath. Is the center of the chest tight, hard, tender, raw, warm, spacious, or open? Just notice how it is. As I said last week, it's not uncommon for people to have almost armored feelings in this center of the chest, the heart space. We carry so much grief and fear. And over time that can produce a rigidity in the center of the chest, an armoring. But that means that if you feel tight in this area, the thing to do is not to try to blow through it, not try to make it go away, because we're talking about the residue 
the signs of deep feeling, grief, sadness, fear. And those kind of feelings don't deserve to be pushed away as if they're problems, but rather held in your awareness with softness and care and gentleness. So the point of this practice is not to soften or open the chest. There is no point. The point is to be with whatever it feels like with compassion, curiosity, and care. As you breathe in and out and feel the breath in the center of the chest, see how granular or textured your awareness of the sensations there can become. As you settle into this sitting, moment by moment, how do the sensations in the sternum area feel? How do they change throughout the course of each in-breath and out-breath? whatever you find in the heart space, welcome it with softness, openness, and space. So even if what you find is hardness and tension, see if you can let that tension be there, but floating in the embrace of a soft and spacious awareness. Whenever the mind carries you away from the breath, from the chest, just notice that and gently, gently come back to the breath 
in the center of the chest. On the next few exhalations, as you breathe out through the center of the chest, wish yourself well. Have mercy upon yourself. See if that produces a more open, spacious quality in this area that's able to hold whatever you feel there more softly. It may not, but just see if extending kindness to yourself as you exhale changes how the center of the chest feels. And if you find that you cannot feel any mercy, kindness, or compassion for yourself, just notice that. And try to hold that fact with some compassion or mercy. Now please allow your awareness to sink further down and settle in the belly. And just notice how the belly feels. Do you feel any tension, holding? Soften your awareness around whatever tension or holding you discover. And see if you can soften the belly just a bit. Let some of that tension holding soften, perhaps even let go. So that the belly has more room for the breath, can receive the breath just a bit more fully.
And the practice is just to notice how the belly feels. And if you notice tension, tightness, just to invite the belly to soften. We're not forcing the breath into the belly. We're not trying to forcefully soften the belly. But rather just inviting it to soften. And if you try too hard, you'll notice that it actually creates tension in the belly. So there's a good kind of warning sign that we're bringing too much effort to this. It's not about trying. It's actually about letting go of the constant urge to try and to do. Belly holds a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions. So as it softens, you may very well encounter feelings, sensations that you are tempted to label as uncomfortable, unpleasant. See if you can just soften around those, let them be there. Create space for them. For the rest of this period, I invite you to follow the breath in the chest or in the belly, whichever feels more natural or right at this moment for you. And you can move back and forth from time to time, seeing how being with the chest affects the belly and how softening the belly affects the chest.
as you continue sitting, you may feel these little urges to do something, to make something happen, to get control over this process, to try to understand what's going on. Anytime you feel any urge to control, understand, or do, just notice it. See what it feels like just to let that urge float, not to indulge it, perhaps even to just let it go. We'll sit for 10 more minutes and it'll just be following the breath in whichever way you like. I'll ring a bell to end the period.
Lisa, take a second to get comfortable and then I'll read the Pema Chodron piece. Okay, so here it is, the in-between state. It takes some training to accept we're not in control. This may lead to a don't know what to do kind of feeling, a sense of being caught in between. On the one hand, we're completely fed up with finding comfort from what we can eat, drink, smoke, or couple with. We're also fed up with beliefs, ideas, and isms of all kinds. But on the other hand, we wish it were true that outer comfort could bring lasting happiness. This in-between state is where the warrior spends a lot of time growing up. We'd give anything to have the comfort we used to get from eating a pizza or watching a video. However, even though those things can be pleasurable, we've seen that eating a pizza or watching a video is a feeble match for our suffering. We notice this especially when things are falling apart. If we've just learned that we have cancer, eating a pizza doesn't do much to cheer us up. If someone we love has just died or walked out, the outer places we go for comfort feel feeble and ephemeral. We are told about the pain of chasing after pleasure and the futility of running from pain. We hear also about the joy of awakening, of realizing our interconnectedness, of trusting the openness of our hearts and minds. But we aren't told all that much about this state of being in between, no longer able to get our old comfort from the outside, but not yet dwelling in a sense of equanimity and warmth. Anxiety, heartbreak, and tenderness mark the in-between state. It's the kind of place we usually want to avoid. The challenge is to stay in the middle rather than buy into struggle and complaint. The challenge is to let us soften us rather than make us more rigid and afraid. Becoming intimate with the queasy feeling of being in the middle of nowhere only makes our hearts more tender. When we are brave enough to stay in the middle, compassion arises spontaneously. By not knowing, not hoping to know, and not acting like we know what's happening, we begin to access our inner strength. Yet it seems reasonable to want some kind of relief. If we can make the situation right or wrong, if we can pin it down in any way, then we're on familiar ground. But something has shaken up our habitual patterns and frequently they no longer work. Staying with volatile energy gradually becomes more comfortable than acting it out or repressing it. Staying with it is what heals. It allows us to let go of our self-importance. It's how the warrior learns to love. This is exactly how we're training every time we sit in meditation. We see what comes up and acknowledge that with kindness. 
thoughts and emotions rise and fall. Some are more convincing than others. Habitually, we are so uncomfortable with that churned up feeling that we do anything to make it go away. Instead, we kindly encourage ourselves to stay with our agitated energy by returning to the breath. This is the basic training in loving kindness that we need to just keep going forward, to just keep opening our heart. So there are more people on the call than I can see in one screen. So I worry that if you raise your hand, um, like just on a screen, I won't be able to see you. So I don't know, um, I think the safest bet is to use a reaction button where you can sort of like, you know, I don't know, do that. Uh, if you can't find the reaction button, then you can just unmute um, or um, yeah, just speak up. So anyway. And it may actually be just fine to unmute and start speaking. If there are two people who speak at the same time, I think we can figure it out. <laughs> Doug, did you want to say something? Please do. In fact, you know what? I ask you a favor and just unmute yourself and speak because that way I don't have to stare at the screen. So I can just keep sitting. Yeah. I mute myself. Doug, did you want to say something? I must have muted myself for that whole thing. <laughs> oh, no. You said something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we, we, we're all deeply moved. It was, it was. <laughs> well, what I wanted to say was it's the best bad news I've heard in a long time. What do you mean? Um, it's just right on. I know that in the tuning state. I've never uh, read it so well articulated. And, um, Doug, could you speak up just a little bit? I think some pe I think some people are having trouble hearing you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I've been feeling the in-between state, reading about it in other uh, contexts, particularly a book by a Tibetan uh, Tulku called "In Love with the World." He gave up everything. He fled his temple secretly to get away and lived for three years on a retreat 
gradually going to the streets. Then he talks about a gap. And it's, it's very similar to this in-between state. I mean, that's an extreme. I don't want to go with that. Discomfort, but I get it. And it's um, a deeply moving place. But not something, you know, one would choose ahead of time. Thanks. Mm. Thank you, Doug. I was moved by this. Can you hear me? Um, I was moved by this reading because the same day that I I read it, I think I read it right when you sent it. Um, I also read a quote by Jericho Brown, the poet, that the I'm going to paraphrase poorly, but that the project of poetry is to stay in the in between state, and that poems are meant to have the tension of nothing being absolute all at once. And my, a lot of my work is in poetry, my background is in poetry. And it was uh, really just like a lovely um, symmetry between the two, because it reminded me that um, I think good poetry at its best for me is that tension. And I would say at this point in my practice of meditation, good meditation is when I feel good. <laughs> and I know that that's not, um, that's I'm being taught otherwise. So it was interesting to read those at the same time. By the way, there's nothing wrong with feeling good. <laughs> we should enjoy it when we do. Hi, Audrey. <laughs> um, my name is Audrey. Um, really glad to be here. Um, hearing the reading again um, reminded me, or I guess like the way that I would say this is the way that um, I understand the sort of in-between state is like this, the state, the part between like knowing something in theory and then feeling it in body and which is like a different type of knowing and i feel like a lot of times a lot of my meditation is that like okay I, I get that like in the head but like what does that actually feel like and can i recognize the feeling um but i think like another i don't know if it's like so much a practice but something that's been really helpful for when i feel like let's say like waves of like sadness and you know, there's like a resistance. I can I can feel like in the body a sense of a rigidity in my body, and in the same way that like sometimes when the waves are just too strong, the easiest thing to do is actually just go under, <laughs> and kind of just you know go under the waves and kind of be buoyed. And there are times when things are just so hard that I'll actually imagine myself going underwater and kind of just kind of floating underwater, and in floating underwater, at some point I come back to the surface 
and there where like there is no resisting water there is no resisting suffering and just being like at some point i'll rise to the surface um or you know like that's that's like the faith i have in there um but when hearing about that reading like the, those are the sort of images or sort of body practices that come to mind want to say that's very helpful imagery. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I, I also really like the imagery. Sometimes I think of it in a similar way. Um, and when things have been hard, I, I get stuck on the surface and can't, can't get below, <laughs> below the waves. I'm just caught in the, the white caps, um, which can be entertaining, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I like being calm, <laughs> like dipping down in. Uh, so I don't know if maybe I'm thinking about it differently, but I definitely... Uh, when you mentioned your the imagery that you felt, I was like, oh, that sounds similar and maybe also different. Um, it's it's interesting for me to hear other people's experience. Oh, is someone speaking? Uh, Hugh, are you speaking? Hugh has been speaking and we can't hear Oh, him. Hugh, for some reason we can't hear you. You're not muted, but. Huh. You guys can hear me, right? So sound is working. Okay. Oh, no. This is terrible. You, you could try logging back on. I don't know. I mean, um. Because you, I heard you earlier. You know, you said something earlier, so that's that's interesting, huh? <laughs> He's in the chat. Is this is the in between practice smiley face? I can try. Can you hear me? We can hear you, Carrie. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like this whole year has been an in-between state, and I, I, I feel like my practice has um, 
really attuned me a little, a lot more to the feelings in my body. And now I've gotten to the point where when I am feeling that churning, I go, oh, I got to go sit mm. and sit with that and really um, feel it. And the object isn't to make it go away, but it does <laughs> when, I, when I really sit with something and it feels, uh, it feels like it is the place of growth, this liminal stage. And I kind of don't ever want to be not uncomfortable again because it's been such a time of growth that's all thank you karen i think it is an interesting moment i i, I can really relate to what you just said because i think there was a time when i would sit to make myself feel calmer you know, in the first few years of practice. And then I realized actually sometimes like I, when I feel uncomfortable, I'm sitting actually so that I can, I think Audrey used like go into like really, yeah, go into the waves to give myself the stillness to actually be fully with whatever it is I'm going through. Um, and I think that's an interesting moment where sitting becomes actually a way to be with whatever, especially the discomfort. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, it sometimes it goes away or it just, it feels like sometimes it's there, but it no longer is uncomfortable. It's not that it went away. It's just your relationship to it has changed so much. Yeah. Hi, Bernie. Hi, Patrick. Patri. Patri, yes. Patri, yes. Um, I um, am so new to this group, and I want to thank you for inviting me to join. Um, I've been, Pema Chodron has been my teacher for a long, long time, and uh, I haven't heard that particular reading, so I appreciate hearing something new. Um, although it always sounds similar to everything else that we've read, right? Um, and um, I've, I've been in such a, you know, we moved here just last year, it's been a year now. And uh, we moved to a place and then we had to basically isolate. Um, so haven't really had a chance to feel the entirety of this experience. So this is really a nice way for me to enter um, into the community, so I appreciate that very much. Um, and uh, and I haven't really uh, practiced uh, as much as I normally would. Where uh, before the the virus, the this feeling of being vulnerable with people on a larger scale, um, just learning how to be in the space of my spouse 24 seven and learning to be vulnerable in that, that that'll make you meditate. <laughs> um, but uh, I would say that uh, 
the practice of meditation for me is, I, I always describe it as a way of intimate time to get to know myself so that I can leave myself alone and be out in the world and not have to think about myself all the time and just be. Um, so that's uh, in large part why I practice because I certainly didn't feel that for most of my life. Um, so I'm just so appreciative to have a, to have a group to share this experience with because I basically mostly meditate by myself. So thank you for inviting me and uh, thank you for letting me share. It's good to have you here with us, Patria. And it'll be good to be able when we can sit in person again. Too. That would be very nice. Yeah, that would be very nice. Yeah. One day. <laughs> I don't think this really adds anything to um, our understanding of this text, but I have a feeling Pema Chodron is just talking about the bardo, right? The in-between state, right? That's what bardos are. Um, they're, they're transition stages. So, and every moment, there's a bardo between every moment, bardo between life and death, one life and another. Um, I have a feeling this is just sort of kind of super down to earth American way of talking about bardos. Um, <clears throat> I like her. It's going to be this. Oh yeah, Doug. Did you did you want to say something? Um, yeah, I can say something. I definitely um, relate to the in between place, as I think. Um, many of us do right now. Um, I don't like it at all. I hate it. Um, it is a place of a ton of panic for me, like deep, deep anxiety and this constant, like wanting to figure out the right thing to do. And then, um, and she talks about that, like grasping at um, right and wrong. So wanting to figure out the right thing to do. And then realizing that I'm not supposed to do that. So then I'm like, oh, that's the wrong thing to do. And then I'm like, oh, it's wrong to think that it's the wrong thing to do. And then I'm just like, wow. Um, yeah, so just trying to be with that and be aware of that. And um, yeah, it's a place where I feel like I often don't have words because nothing is, nothing is right and I can't, yeah, um, so interesting what you said, Marnie, about poetry. And I think that's um, definitely, I can connect to that as well. And Carrie, I wish I were in that place of just being like, I wanna, I wanna be here in my in-between place. I'm like, I hate this. So 
um, yeah, that's where I am in the in-between. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah, can I respond to that? I don't want to. Um, well, I also think too, it makes me think about, um, about, I think like we kind of in, in, in a lot of groups in this group and also in the work that I do, I throw around the word discomfort a lot and I use it a lot, but when I'm like, there's such a, I, I feel like we maybe each have a different definition of discomfort or maybe we don't, maybe we all have the same one, but I'm always interested in what that means for people because when I get to a point of discomfort in meditation or for example, in like, you know, working through a problem, using any kind of toolkit to do that. Um, there's the discomfort, the discomfort of like, yeah, this is moving. And then there's the discomfort of this is hell. And I, and I wonder, I just, I wonder what people mean when they talk about discomfort in meditation, um, in their sitting. Cause I, I wonder what, if, if, I'm sure it's many versions, but I wonder what version in general we mean by that. Um, also, I just want to say, like, I, I actually responding back and forth. I totally, I love that. It's just, I was just talking simply about trying not to give each other advice about how to, you know, fix it. That's all. But no, this, this back and forth would be, is great. So please keep. Well, if you say so, um, <laughs> um, something that came to mind when talking about like different definitions of like discomfort is something that maybe came to mind is that there's a difference between discomfort and danger. Mm -hmm. And to, I like, cause when, when Marnie, you said like, what is your definition of discomfort? My definition of discomfort is like, when I take a brave step where it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to try it. But I also have like a way of retreating back if I need safety and danger is when I have no known escape route or like known and and being this uncomfortable in a dangerous situation is not a place of growth for me and that that, that i would consider that danger versus discomfort um and i think like yeah I, I don't really have quite words for it but like i think in my body i would know when i'm in a state of danger versus when in a state of like Ooh, this is uncomfortable, I think, but I can do this. This is going to be okay. And then it'll be all over in like two more seconds versus like, this is dangerous. I don't know when it's going to end. And I don't like, this is, this hurts too much um, is, is like what immediately came to mind when asking for a definition of discomfort. I like that definition, but that also means that my migraines are dangerous <laughs> because I can't get out of them. They stop eventually though. I just wait it out, but I, I'm not sure what kind of discomfort that counts as. It, it made me think about, is there, you know, uh, an of the moment way of, of meditating. And it's probably a question for Bernie here. Like, can you snap into meditation in a way where you can be in that moment in your body and say thinking, thinking and not be on a cushion. But so there's that, that's that one, one way, right? Is there an of the moment immediate kind of meditation? But then I thought too, like, it's kind of, it's very cool to hear people talking about being able to retreat into the text right be it poetry or something that a teacher has has written right it, there's just there's um you know if if you can't be in the liminal space 
like grab something really great to read, right? If you want to get away from yourself and you, you can't get on a cushion and perhaps you can't immediately meditate because that's not a thing. That's just like, you know, disassociation. Um, I don't know. That's, hello, everyone. Nice to be back, by the way. Good to see you, Shannon. Yeah. That's so interesting, Shannon, because um, I've been um, recently trying out something, Krista Typical's meditative reading and, you know, reading a, a few lines and just really thinking about it and um, really feeling like that's useful, that's helpful, that's um, a way to go about it. But I also, Audrey, really relate to that sense of when discomfort is this overwhelming fear that you don't know what the right thing is. You know, you don't know what the escape route is. And, and so I think there's a huge range of discomfort for me. Um, but I guess the longer I sit, the the relationship to discomfort, what Bernie said earlier, um, is what is changing. Um, is it a, a, a kind of faith that uh, it is what it is? Or as my heart kind of opens, which it'll close and open and close and open, but, um, but as it opens, I do feel that connectedness with all of you with oh, the beautiful nature around us. And there's something very ultimately sustaining about that, that sort of mm, eases that sense of, of danger that, that somehow will muddy through um, all of us. Maybe not all of us though, yeah. Eight. Oh, Jim, please. One. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had an interesting association with uh, the in-between space and it related to something that happened today. But I started to associate it with being kind of a no man's land. Mm -hmm. um, and I had an experience where I was dealing with um, someone on the telephone who was not wanting to take responsibility for what I was trying to get from them. And they passed me on to someone else and I was getting volleyed back and forth. And I remember thinking to myself, like I'm in a no man's land and it felt, I, I felt like I was searching for home. Like I was searching for someone to welcome me and take care of what it was I was wanted to be taken care of on the phone. So I'm hoping to find in that in-between space kind of a way of feeling like, you know, that's a home in and of itself. But I, I think I do associate being in an in-between space with being um, in a way kind of dislocated. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Um, in the future, Pema Children also has other pieces that I've really 
gotten a lot out of in which she says these things which are really somewhat startling which is like you know being totally lost having no way to orient yourself that's enlightenment or being like absolutely lonely you know that's the gateway to enlightenment to have like feel like you have no one you know like you're you're and and so i think these are things that um, maybe it would be interesting to consider with the group later on how we, um, so thank you. This is, I, I don't know how you all felt, but I, I just loved hearing all of you. So um, so let's, let's I'll, I'm gonna just do this once a month. Okay, we'll pick some other, we'll subtext once a month and we'll do this, okay? And then, um, because this is great. And I have a feeling this will feed into what I will find interesting to talk about in the next couple of weeks. And then we'll just, we'll see where it goes as a group okay um can we sit for one minute together before we say good night because i always think that's a lovely way to to end things um so please just um just do whatever practice feels good to you for a minute or just to sit and even just to reflect on what we've said hmm. Okay, so I just grateful for you all. Thank you. Thank you for, for being here, coming together like this. Thank you. I wish you well. See you next week. Thank you, Bernie. Thank Thanks, you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bernie. Bye, Bernie. Bye, Bernie. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bernie. Bye, Bernie.